Hello and welcome to episode 86 of Beekeeping at Five Apple Farm. This is Lee. I am so glad you've joined me today. I'm going to tell you the story of how I came to have a lion's hive and have bees in it. First, let me pause and thank every single listener here. I appreciate you. And I especially thank the listeners who have joined us over at patreon.com slash fiveapple because you are the ones that keep this show going. I would invite anybody who feels like it, come over there and join us for some bonus podcasts, question and answer, and random posts whenever I get a chance or see something fun to share with you. Let me start off with answering a question from patron Michael, who has been so supportive from the very beginning of the podcast. Michael, I appreciate you so much. And your question was, what's an easy way to transition from mixed box sizes, deeps and mediums, to all mediums? And as most listeners of this podcast will know by now, for the last 11 years, I've kept bees in eight frame mediums, all mediums. Now, the eight frame is just to make the box lighter, and that has really worked well for me. But the medium part is the bomb because it makes everything completely interchangeable. And this is just handy beyond words that once you keep bees in all the frame, same frame size, you will not go back to mixed boxes, in my opinion. (laughs) But the trick of how to transition if you have mixed boxes is you want to get that deep on the bottom and unoccupied. That's the easiest way. So usually that kind of naturally happens toward late winter. If you've arranged your boxes in the fall so that you've got a couple of supers of uh, mediums up top, then in the late winter, the bees have eaten their way up toward the top and that bottom box could be virtually empty. That makes it super easy that once they start that spring expansion to just pull that empty box off there, add some more mediums up above what you've got, they will naturally move into them and boom, you're in all mediums. Now that comb that you've removed from the deep, if it's in good shape, you can sell it to club members. That box, you can always cut it down to a medium and you're in all mediums. An alternative thing to do is to sort of orchestrate a way to make yourself a new in that deep box. So plan it into your spring splitting to that one of your splits is going to be exclusively deep frames and you're going to build that up into a healthy five frame nuke or heck you can build it up into a healthy 10 frame single or eight frame single and sell the thing as a single hive. Either way, you're going to make at least $150 if you populate it with bees, let a new queen get going or provide it with a queen cell, let her get going, get most of those frames full of brood, and you've got a very valuable thing to sell and somebody's really going to thank you for it. Some variations on that whole thing, like if your deep has some stuff going on in it, but maybe not a lot, you could, if you're very attentive, you could put that deep on top of your stack over the queen excluder, let them finish raising up whatever brood is in there, and then after that, but before they fill it with nectar, you can remove it, put your inner cover on, set that partially nectar filled deep on top of the inner cover, closed of course with the outer cover on the top. So now you have a box with light nectar that's separated from the main part of the hive. And in many times of the year, and this will depend on your microclimate, the bees just can't stand that. And they will go upstairs into the attic, get that nectar, bring it back down and put it where it's supposed to be, by golly, because you put it in the wrong place. <laughs> now, other times of the year, like if it's if there's just a mad flow on, 
this may not work because they may just start socking nectar in it. And even if you put it above the inner cover, they will just put more up there. I've, I've seen this happen when I was trying to get supers cleaned out after extracting honey. And if I was on a second flow, then they would just start putting nectar in that, which defeated the purpose of what I was trying to do at the time. But that's the gist of it. And Michael, I'm always fully available to you. If you have questions or want to talk through that process, you are welcome to get in touch with me. So is Layen's Hive. I am in love with the Layen's Hive with one huge complication. The complication is the Layen's frame is not compatible with anything Langstroth and nothing Langstroth will fit into the Layen's Hive. And so you might say, Lee, that like breaks your number one rule of having everything interchangeable. And indeed it does. It is creating a future transition for me. I will tell you just straight up, I am not going to transition fully to a classic Layen's because I just can't stand dealing with something with a unique frame size that you could only buy the frames for one or two places in the entire United States states. And then that frame won't fit in in the extractor. That frame won't fit in any of my other hives. None of my Langstroth stuff, nothing will fit into the lands. So I'm not going to go that direction, but I had to get a lands. I have to confess I splurged and I am just sure that nobody intended that to be what was done with a stimulus check. Now I'm just kidding. It wasn't, but, um, but anyway, so I got this lands. I just could not resist because as you've known for some time I have been transfixed with somehow moving into a horizontal hive format. For newcomers, the Langstroth hive is of course the vertical boxes stacked on top. There are many horizontal hive formats like the top bar hive is one of the most classic ones that you'll know of. It is a great hive if you happen to be in a microclimate that it works well. I have always lived in extremely humid microclimates both in the Ozarks and here in the mountains of Western North Carolina, which are not nearly as hot, but way humid all the time. And what humidity does is it makes comb, particularly new comb, very, very soft to where if you just touch it, it can dent. And if you just shake it, it can fall completely off that bar. And I that was just not a good thing for me. It was not a good fit for my microclimate. The second complication of the top bar and the places I've lived is because it is a strongly horizontal format of the brood nest of the whole colony. It I don't think it works as well for cold winters. Now, I'm sure there's somebody keeping bees in cold winters. They're like, it works great for me. And that's great. I'm happy for you. But for me, in my experience, the single level horizontal just is not quite right. The next thing I began to explore is a single level horizontal Langstroth. Now these use all deep frames. The complication for me personally, I think you could arrange and kind of add some insulation and do some things to a long Langstroth that it would work fine in Western North Carolina, especially if you were just very attentive toward late winter to make sure you move some stores closer to the bees. Because as you know, in winter, they don't have any trouble moving up because they're just, that cluster is staying on the frames and they're just kind of, you know, creeping up. I think it's so many millimeters a day, but they do have trouble and can have a fatal trouble moving horizontally from frame to frame to get to the honey. Because if they've started brood, which they do in the late winter, they're not going to leave that brood. And if you have an extended cold spell that they're stuck in place and they've eaten all the honey on the frames that they're on, they can't get to those frames beside them to bring more stores into the brood nest. And so that is a complication with a classic long Langstroth. 
And then for me personally, it was just irritating. (laughs) The thought of transitioning to a hive that's not quite right for my microclimate. And then also for me personally required changing out every frame in my operation to all deep langstress. And that was just annoying um, to me. And I just was like, you know, I'm not going to do it. I'm perfectly happy with my eight frame mediums. Well, okay, I'm perfectly happy, but things are not perfect because one of the complications in any langstress, but that's amplified if you use all mediums is there's a lot more frames. And that means if you're looking for your queen, two of my eight frame medium boxes are roughly equivalent to one D, but I have double the frames to look at to find that queen. Now that has not been a real problem for me. I've managed to find her because you get good at knowing about where she is usually. At the same time, it's it's it adds to the workload. My main complaint with the entire vertical setup with hives, which of course is makes perfect sense if you're doing it commercially, if you're doing it on a large scale, if you are keeping bees to sell honey, then probably none of these horizontal hives are going to be what you want. For a couple of backyard hives or even an intense hobbyist like me, the horizontal, it's no problem to use a horizontal because I'm not moving my hives a lot. I'm definitely not migratory in any way. And even the hives that I move, say, over to another yard to reorient or for whatever reason, there's still ways I could do that with horizontal hives. So for a hobbyist, I think a horizontal hive is a great thing because you lift up a lid or prop up a lid, kind of like opening a chest freezer, (laughs) and there's all the frames. And you don't have to lift any box to get to any frame. So you can do an inspection without lifting a single box by just opening a lid. And this has been like a holy grail to me because as I get older, I really want to keep up with beekeeping, but I can tell lifting boxes, even boxes of honey and eight frame mediums, it's not fun even now in the heat of summer. And as I get older, I'm not going to want to do that very much because as you know, I'm not that into, the honey is not my main thing. I love to play with bees and I love to raise bees and to select and to try to do some stock improvement. And that's where my love is not the honey. Although I do the honey to keep both my household, my family, and my community in some honey as I can. As I can. So anyway, what is a Layens hive? A Layens hive is a horizontal hive. It was designed, I believe, in the 1800s in France, George Layens. I could be messing that up, but something like that. He made this hive a single level that worked for his microclimate. He had basically worked out how many frames the bees needed at their peak, and he made a a kind of a chest box, if you will, like a chest freezer, except smaller, that would contain that many frames. Uh, as many as they needed. He then harvested honey from the outer frames, left that center brood nest for the winter, and then did it again, all in the same box. The Layens frame is a lovely size. It's, um, I don't know, it's, it's about a foot wide and about, it's probably about... 12 inches wide and about 16 inches deep, something like that. It's it's much like a deep Langstroth high um, frame turned on its side. It's a little wider, a little deeper, but it's close to that size. And so it's a lovely frame to to pull out of the hive. It's just it whole it's it feels big, you know, after especially after working with mediums, but it's still very manageable. Now the beauty of these frames that are deeper than a deep Langstroth is that in their uh, many 
mini chest freezer, if you can imagine that. Um, they can do these longer frames. In the summer, they naturally fill up the tops of those frames. They naturally kind of push the queen down to the lower part. So the brood nest on its own naturally ends up toward the bottom of the frames in the fall. And then through the winter, they can just gradually nibble their way upward and and then gradually, as the weather allows, expand horizontally. And so there's just no rearranging. They are able to do it very similarly to what they would do in a nice sized tree cavity. Now, let me pause here. Bees can make do with almost any size container. If the container and its insulation and its warmth and its ventilation, if that works with the microclimate that it's in, you know, you've seen pictures of cutouts. They can nest in anything from the wall of a house to the belfry of a church. They can just be in many, many places. They, I have seen <laughs> cutouts from old chest freezers that were sitting out in a field that bees put a colony in. Now, I don't know how they do in the hot summer shining on it, but that's where the bees were going to give it a shot. And you know, they will give it a shot in many places that aren't successful, but they'll try it out. And that's one of their skills is trying out things till they work. So this Layens hive, when I started reading about it, I'm like, man, that is, and I believe with it, with the experience that I have, I believe that is a lovely hive for my microclimate. The mountains are notorious for slow springs with setbacks to frost and setbacks to cold nights at any given time. The Layens is a double-walled insulated hive, which interestingly, double-walled and insulated is, is what the Langstroth, as designed by Reverend Langstroth back in the day, it originally started as a double-walled insulated hive. So just put a bookmark there because I believe more and more we are going to hear more about this insulation factor going forward of that one of the struggles we create for bees in the in the Langstroth system, particularly in colder climates, is the lack of insulation. Not to say they can't make do without it, but as I have found, at least in my small operation, since I really can default to what the bees do best at rather than what my honey business requires, which a lot of people don't have that freedom. So I'm not saying that everybody should do this, but it's something to consider if you've got that leeway. So the Layens Hive, which is being popularized by Dr. Leo Sharashkin, and I apologize if I'm messing up that name. He is in the Missouri Ozarks. He is, I believe, Russian by birth, and he keeps bees now in Layens hives in the Missouri Ozarks. He says he has excellent, fabulous results, and I've seen some of the inspections of his hives, and it looks like he is doing fine. Now, I will say that he has a business selling Layens hives. So of course he's going to say <laughs> they're doing well. And I'm not saying he's not telling the truth, but of course you're going to emphasize the benefits of a thing that you're also making your livelihood from. He has been very generous on his website. He puts up plans of how to make both long laying hives, uh, detailed plans with photos, dimensions, everything, materials lists, and also Layens hive. Uh, and, and so every design he sells, the plan of how to build it yourself is also on his website. It's a brilliant business model, I have to say, because a lot of us can look at those plans. The handy people are just going to make their own anyway. They're not going to buy a hive like that anyway. And then those of us who don't 
want to do all that handiwork, then we might buy a hive. So I think it's a brilliant business model. It was while I was looking at the plans for the long Langstroth on horizontalhive.com that I came, I saw the Layens hive and started looking at it and go, wow, that's, that's pretty cool, but I don't want to mess with the, I just can't deal with the, the uniqueness of it and not being able to use any of the other stuff that I have and not being able to make splits for people in my club or sell nukes or anything like that. I, that was just a no-go for me. Then a couple of, a couple of interesting synchronicities occurred. And sometimes you just have to follow that when life does it. One was, this is going to sound like a wild tangent, but it's really not. I came by an antique postcard of an unusual beehive. This is a thing I do. I love to collect old postcards that show beekeepers and beehives. And I came by one that were all these really gorgeous hives. They were kind of chest sized with cute peaked roofs. And there was a bunch of them and they were set on a steep slope in the in the postcard. And I'll I'll put up this the picture of this postcard on Patreon for everyone to look at so you can see what I'm talking about. And that's patreon.com slash five apple. So this postcard came my way and I was like, wow, I wonder what kind of hives the these are. And I didn't connect it with the lay-ins at first, though I did notice that the shape would be about the same size. So I send it a, a scan of it to a couple of beekeepers with an interest in historical beehives and ask them, what do you, what do you think about this? Both of them wrote back and said, well, one of them said, that is one I saw a lot of in the mountains of Eastern Europe when I was traveling. Even though the postcard said it was from someplace in New York, that hive style, he said, that is something you see in the mountains of Eastern Europe. The other beekeeper who has a lot of experience in many different type of horizontal hives, wrote back and said, that is a Layens beehive. And I'm very interested in that postcard because, you know, I guess he had not seen a group of them. And the postcards from 1904 set up in the U.S. at that time. And so I'm sh- sharing scans of the postcard with him for his, his collection of, uh, for his presentations. But I'm like, wow, there's that Layens hive again. And look how pretty it is. And as a bee friend of mine said, oh my gosh, look how they're set up on a slope. Because believe me, up here in the mountains, you want to be, <laughs> you want a beehive that does okay on a slope because mostly that is what we have to work with. So I put my little postcard on my desk so I could look at it while I worked and thought, that's really cool. Then the next synchronicity was uh, even more direct. So I had ordered a queen rearing book from horizontalhive.com. There's a queen rearing book that he sells. I'm trying to think of the guy's name. Well, it's his only book on queen rearing, but it's from, maybe it's translated from French, I think, but that's the only place I've been able to find that book and it's Raising Honeybee Queens. And it is a fabulous book, talks a lot about the European method. So I had ordered that book from horizontalhive.com and the package came and I eagerly ripped into it and I pulled the book out and it wasn't that book. It was Keeping Bees with a Smile by Fedor Lazutin. And I could be, again, messing up all these names. And I'm like, dang, that's not the book I wanted. And I look on my packing slip. The packing slip says Raising Honeybee Queens, not the same book. So I was like, man, I'm going to have to call them and get them to send me the right book. And I'm going to send this one back. And so I put it in my to-do later stack, <laughs> which is a, always a big stack. There, Okay, there's many, many to-do later stacks. But I put this in one of the to-do later stacks. And then one day in last winter, I was kind of bored and I was walking around. I'm like, I'm going to flip through this book before I send it back. <laughs> I'm going to look at the pictures at least, you know, before I ship it back and get the, get the right book. And I had heard of Beekeeping with a Smile by Lazutin because it is something that a lot of people bring out, not just for the hive 
configuration, but it's one of those books with a lot of happy talk about how, oh, if you just use this hive, all of the problems of modern day beekeeping will be eliminated for you. And I don't doubt that Mr. Lazutin in the the wilds of Russia above Moscow had that kind of luck with these hives. The, he uses a Lazutin hive, which is shaped and functions just like a Layens hive, but the size again is different because in the far north of Russia, you need an even bigger, even deeper frame to keep them in the their happy place in the colony in the winters. And so I'd seen reference to this book, and I am going to be honest, I had avoided reading it because I just get dismayed when I read a book that is just, oh, if we just change the hive shape, it's going to fix all the problems. You're not going to need treatments. You're not going to need to do anything to the bees. And there are places where that was true. It obviously worked that way for Mr. Lazutin, who passed away a few years ago, and that's really a bummer because he was a, a real innovator. He died very young of cancer. And so I do believe what he was saying, and I do believe that it worked that way for him. But at least in the microclimates that I'm familiar with, which is the southeast and mid-Atlantic of the United States, you can do whatever shape hive you want to do. You can make it a triangle. You can make it a pyramid. I don't care. You are going to have similar problems to the Langstroth. It is not about the shape of the hive. Let me not get on that soapbox. There is no golden magical shape that's going to solve all the problems. Now, that said, the subtlety is there are shapes that will help And there are shapes that do better than others, primarily in altering the size of the colony. That's, in my opinion, has more impact on your mite problems and the genetics, of course, and your management than the shape of the hive. Because we all know that bees can make do with almost any space. So let me step down off that. So that is one of the reasons why I kind of avoided that book. Because I'd seen quotes from the happy talk, you know, if you just get this Lazutin hive, you're never going to have to treat, you're never going to have to do anything, you hardly have to touch the bees. You just go in and pull out the beautiful honey and leave them to their own devices and they do beautifully. And for obviously for some that is true, but not for many, because if it really were, I mean, come on my friends, (laughs) if it really were just a matter of, oh, if we just put bees in this magical shape box, all the problems go away. Do you not think that there wouldn't be huge contingencies of people following that exact recipe and having all the same perfect, wonderful results? I mean, really? Okay. So anyway, I noticed that the first half of that book was mostly the about how, you know, oh, this the shape of this box is going to change everything. If you read it, you will see that he's not saying that the shape of the box solves all the problems. Rather, in my opinion, he is saying that the shape of the box and the insulation, particularly where he was, it allows the bees to not struggle so much. And in that case, they can overcome a lot more. And that is absolutely true. And that when I talk about so many times, you know, don't do this, it'll stress the bees. Don't do this, it'll stress the bees. It's not that you can't do it and they bounce back. If they're robust and things are good, 
especially if there's a flow, they can bounce back to from almost anything you do to them at least once. But over time, or if it's in a time of the year or a time in the life cycle of that particular colony where they're already having a struggle, then any additional stress could push them over the edge. I scanned the first half of the book and I got, okay, you know, this like so much pop advice in beekeeping is really a a misinterpretation or a... um a skewed emphasis. So basically a lot of people read that and they're like, see, see, I told you, you don't even have to do anything to your bees if you just use this magic box. But that is not what he writes in the book. But the part that was interesting to me was the second part of the book is all about the the design of hives that are extra long frames. And by that, I mean compared to a Langstroth frame. So extra long frames, either the Layens depth, which is longer than Langstroth, or the Lazutin depth, which is much longer even than a Layens because he was in a very, very cold climate. And the colder the climate, the more exceptional that shape is to helping the bees do their natural thing. The other issue, if you read closely about the place that Lazutin was keeping bees, he was in one of those places that, you know, they're they're clustered in winter for <laughs> what seems to me like 80% of the year. And then they bust out of those hives. There is this huge flow all of a sudden, and then boom, summer's over, they're back in. And so the Lazutin hive, which is bigger in every way than the Layens hive, it allowed for that. You know, it allowed for this huge expansion in the summer. It allowed for a big cluster to go through winter and allowed for those extra deep frames to keep them on the right frames for the winter. I was like, wow, this this is all making sense that somewhere somewhere in between the shape and size of a horizontal Langstroth and a Lazutin is the perfect hive for the high Appalachians. <laughs> and I will say it is, there is a way to make it compatible with Langstroth. And that is what I am working on. I'm not the only one. If you get online and look for Lazutin hybrid hives or Layens hybrid, Layens Langstroth hybrid hives, you will see people trying to work this out. And it's very doable. And I have a, a couple of good possibilities in my own workshop. So when so from here on out, whenever I talk about a layens type hive, I am referring to the following elements that it is sort of chest shaped, more like a small chest of drawers shape rather than the I hate to say this, but the kind of coffin shape of the long Langstroth. And this is going to sound ridiculous, but even if my microclimate was perfect for a long Lang, the shape of the hive would bother me. <laughs> it's to my eye, it's just not pleasant to look at. <laughs> it sort of looks like you've got Dracula on ice out there in your field. And I, I don't know, it's just not a joy to the eye <laughs> that many other different hive types are. And, and frankly, the top bar hives have never been a joy to my eye. Whereas the a small Langstroth hive is a joy to my eye. And a small Layens hive is beautiful to me. And in Eastern Europe, this is where they do the tradition. And you can see this on the horizontalhive.com website. They paint them uh, very unique and ornate folk paintings. And so they're just beautiful. It looks like a piece of art uh, sitting out in the yard. And I know that doesn't matter, but it does matter to your eye and it can matter to your spouse what things look like sitting out in the yard. So it is it is not a nothing consideration. So with that giant intro, and I confessed, I splurged and I bought a Layens from HorizontalHive.com so that I could try it out. I bought the double walled insulated hive. 
my reasoning was that investment, I wanted to try it out, see how it felt. If this was the real deal, then I would either transition to Layens Hives, period, or, and this is what it's going to be, I want to build my own adaptation of a Layens Hive, incorporating the double-walled insulation construction, the chest shape, and the extra long frame with the one adjustment that I'm going to make them Langstroth frame with. And that is the path I'm going down. But I wanted to get one to experiment with. And I also knew this is just a thing in beekeeping. It's a, it makes it really worthwhile to get good at rearing bees is that any, any colony of bees you have and pretty much anything from a cardboard box to a hive, you can sell in a heartbeat for a good amount of money. So I knew that if I populated this lay-ins with bees, I could experiment with it. And then I could either sell the whole thing which obviously you'd have to do at very specific times of the year because it weighs a ton (laughs) and you would need a special um, situation to move it in the back of a truck. So that is a definite consideration. These things are not uh, very portable. But I knew investing that money, even if this was not what I wanted to do, I could easily get that money back. So here I am with an expensive hive that doesn't match anything else. It breaks my rule of interchangeability. It's based on a design with a lot of happy bee talk around it, which kind of annoyed me and actually kept me from reading more about it for many years. And the final complication is because it is totally not compatible. I had no way of like starting a split with any of my hives in it. The traditional way is to start with a swarm. Well, I don't have a ton of swarms, as I've said before, because I make splits. And then when I do have swarms, they tend to go to the very tops of trees. So I was like, man, this is not, you know, this could be a while for me to get a swarm. And I was actually about to sign up for the swarm catch list just so I could get some bees to start this thing off when yet another synchronicity. A listener contacted me about a couple of packages that had been pre-ordered that were no longer needed and said, I know you don't need packages, but do you know anybody who might want to buy these packages? And I wrote back and said, well, actually, I want to buy the packages. I really just need one, but I'll take two to get them off your hands because it will solve a problem I'm having. And my plan was that if I got them established and I liked this hive and was going to keep it, I would simply requeen them, which is very doable, and get them back to the stock that I prefer, which I've been working on a little while. So I went to pick up package bees for the first time since my very first spring of beekeeping (laughs) and my very first package absconded back in the day. Then a club member in Fayetteville, Arkansas caught me a swarm and that's how I started beekeeping because my package that I so carefully installed in my beautiful brand new equipment at the time absconded like on day three. And in hindsight, I didn't give them enough room because I had eight frame mediums and people told me to install them in one box. So I installed them in one eight frame medium and that's really not enough room for a a good package. Anyway, that was my last experience with a package and they've changed since then. Now they come in plastic boxes that I literally had to get on YouTube to figure out how to open. (laughs) It was so embarrassing. I'm like, this is hilarious. And I probably should have done this long ago to have more compassion when I'm talking to people starting off with packages. And frankly, I don't know how people start off with packages. It is really hard. Not the getting them in the hive. And you got to remember. So, okay, let me back up. I had two packages. They came much earlier. They were from slightly south of here. And so they came much earlier than I believe anyone would normally try to install a package up here. But I reasoned. I have drawn comb. I have frames of honey set aside so it shouldn't be too hard to get this package going. I will tell you. 
the frame I installed in the lay-ins got going without any trouble. I'll just jump to the conclusion. They got going and they are so far out ahead of the package that was installed on drawn comb with honey in the Langstroth I had right next door, that that was an experience that will make a believer out of you. I don't exactly know how to explain it. Now, let me clarify. I did start them off on several frames, uh, several lay-ins frames of drawn comb, which I managed by cutting comb out of my mediums that was on plastic foundation and attaching the plastic foundation, you know, cut into little squares into the lay-ins frame. And it wasn't pretty, but they were, it was held in there enough until the, the bees, uh, you know, glued it all together with wax and propolis. And now they're, you can barely tell that there's plastic under there. The lay-ins that you buy commercially typically come with wired, for, uh, just wire. That's it. And then the bees draw on there. So I did start the bees off, the package off in the lay-ins on some drawn comb, but just a few because it was a big pain in the butt to cut and wire all that in. So I just did maybe three lay-ins frames of comb for them. And also once I had them, I thought, well, this is pretty cool because I can compare. I can compare and contrast. And I really expected there not to be a huge difference. I did because it was still quite cold. It was in March when I got these. I did put a single sheet of Reflectix around the little hive that I installed, the little Langstroth hive that I installed that package in, again, on drawn comb with honey and a feeder. And then I saw the package in the lay-ins. What was amazing is even when it was chilly, like what, for example, when I went out to check and see if they had released the queens, I opened up the, the Lang. They were pretty clustered, not tightly clustered, but, but, but definitely in a cluster. And I made sure they had released their queen and they had closed them back up, went over to the lay-ins. I opened up the lay-ins. As soon as I open up the inner portion, the lay-ins has the frame bars that meet up flush. And so there's no, the bees can't go above those top bars unless you, so much like a traditional top bar, those, there's no gap between the frames for the bees to come up. There, you have a follower board at the end that fits pretty tight and you pull that follower board back a little bit. You just start sliding the frames over to do the inspection. What I would notice is when I pulled that follower board back, just a wave of heat would come out of that compartment. And it was amazing. They were not in cluster. They were strolling around. They were getting stores out of the frames I'd given them and moving them to where they wanted. I had a little complication of I didn't have anything, any way to give them a mason jar because the, it's a long story, but if you look at the license, there, there's no easy place to put a mason jar in there. I ended up drilling a hole toward the bottom of the follower board and then setting a mason jar on a, like a boardman feeder inside the empty area because you keep that follower board just right after however many frames you have to keep them in a, to keep them cozy. And then you expand it as they need more room. Okay. This is another incredible thing about any Layens or Lazutin style hive is that there's part of the year that there's an, an empty space in one end and it is perfect for storage. Um, because I had these in an, uh, this hive 
in an out of the way spot. You know, I put a, a hive tool there. I had an extra feeder jar. I had some extra frames. I had some extra reflectix, <laughs> you know, because the whole end of the thing was empty. And so it made this great storage compartment. The design element of having a storage compartment on one end, I immediately liked. But the true lands with the, the bars that meet at the top created a feeding complication. So what I ended up doing is uh, drilling a couple of, um, you know, kind of like wine cork size holes in the top of one of the Layens frames. And then I had to go find those little tiny jelly jars that are mason jars, the little tiny jelly ones and put feeder caps on them. So I gave them like three little jelly jars uh, that would fit under the lid so that they could be getting feed because it was going to be a long time. I mean, we're just now, uh, you know, getting into a good flow here. So I did have to MacGyver a way to feed the Layens because what I found is that Boardman feeder that I put in the unoccupied area of the hive. Now they could get out there to it, but it would get cold so fast that they couldn't get much from it. Whereas like with any uh, feeder that's any mason jar feeder right above their head, that is the beauty of it is it's right above their head. And while they stay in cluster, they can still be getting feed. But like I said, the noticeable thing, and it was very noticeable multiple times I went in when it was chilly enough for the Langstroth hive to be in cluster. I would go in the Lazutin hive, which is very insulated, and they were not in cluster. They were wandering around doing their thing, raising brood. It was amazing and on so much less food. And and since March, what has been striking is I, I barely fed them at all. I mean, I, I did have some honey frame in there to start them off, but I barely fed them. And they made so much more brood they covered so much more area. Now they didn't particularly, they, they did start drawing some comb early, not a ton because they weren't getting much food and there was no flow yet. Now that the flow's going, they're draw, drawing comb like mad. They will, they will draw, it is amazing. They are drawing complete lay-in size frames of comb on the wire. So this is all natural comb. Um, it's very easy to get them to draw straight if you start off with some drawn comb, which I love this when you when I attached that plastic comb to those wires, it created the spacing. So I did not have to go through the wonky comb phase of top bar beekeeping, because if you start them off with plastic foundation, you know, they can't go too wonky on that. If it's if there's a frame of drawn comb, and then an empty with just wires, and then a frame of drawn comb, they're going to draw on those wires perfectly right down the middle. Now they do they do introduce a little more wave on their natural comb? I can already see that, but it's not a, it's not cross comb. It's not attached to anything else, so it's it hasn't been hard to handle at all. The wires that come with it do make it a lot more stable. I'm not really fond of the wires. Uh, some people do it with. Um, some people create that extra support with the bamboo skewers. I'm getting in the weeds of the how-to. I'm trying to get myself back out. The gist of the story is I accidentally got interested in this hive, became fascinated with it when I really realized the functions of it that would mesh so beautifully with my particular microclimate, with a lot of microclimates, I will say. The ease of the management of no lifting beyond one frame. The one thing I have left to MacGyver before I begin to transition to the laying style hive, if not the exact size, being the backbone of my operation, is to work out the frame compatibility issue. You will see a picture on the horizontalhive.com website of them turning 
turning a frame of Langstroth sideways to make it fit in the layins. My hair just stands up when I do that because as all of you know, honeycomb is drawn with a slight tilt upward. And so when you turn it sideways, that gets rid of the tilt. I'm not saying again that the bees can't rework that and make it work, but I that was just not even a okay for a temporary solution for me. And because I had plastic foundation, it was pretty darn easy to just chop it up into chunks and attach it to that wire with wire and go from there. So my mission, should I accept it, and I've already accepted it, (laughs) is to essentially transition to a hive that I plan to build in my workshop using the eight frame boxes that I already have because they're beautifully coated with propolis for one thing, but they're also what I have. And have you looked at the prices of lumber lately? Wow. Anyway, I'm going to use my giant stacks of eight frame medium boxes to rearrange them to a size that's pretty much between a layens and a lazutin that the crossbar is Langstroth compatible. I think this is the direction I'm going. It will, so eventually I'll be doing horizontal beekeeping. Now, I'll still use, I do believe, my little queen castles, my nuke boxes. Um, I'll still use some of my eight frame boxes, particularly to do nukes to sell to other people. I think they'll be very practical. They'll essentially become my mating nuke material, but then it'll be no big deal to take that and put it into the hive, I'm just going to call the Appalachian Mountain Hive <laughs> that, that I want to build. Now, I know this has been all over the place and choppy and here and around about, but I think, I hope you can get an idea of what I'm saying. If you're a beginner and your brain has just exploded on all of these names and shapes and sizes, just don't even worry about it. Um, whatever Whatever hives you have going in your backyard right now, Learn to do those well. (laughs) Learn to do those well. Learn to do the bees well. And then the hive you use is really neither neither here nor there. Some are better, some are worse. It, But you could work with any of them if you needed to. If you know the bees, if you know the biology of the bees, if you know the skills of a beekeeper with the bees... The hive stuff is just parts and the parts can be interchangeable. They can be different shapes, different sizes. It won't matter because you will have the skills with the bees and that is what matters. That is what will translate to keeping bees in anything from terracotta jars (laughs) to observation hives to lazutin hives to everything in between. You'll be able to do it because you'll know the bees. Okay, so I'm going to wrap this big mess up (laughs) and... I will be filling in many more details about my adventures in transitioning to the hybrid layens type hive. If you are interested in this, if you do some searches on YouTube for Lazutin hives, and that's L-A-Z-U-T-I-N, if you do searches for layens hives, there's a fella in North Georgia, and his website is enjoybeekeeping.com. Actually, I I haven't looked at his website, but I've looked at his YouTube channel, enjoybeekeeping.com. And he is, it's interesting because he has about the same amount of years in bees that I do. He went to a workshop out in Missouri at the horizontalhive.com folks, and he fell in love with the Layens Hive. He's also a woodworker, so he is building them uh, down in North Georgia, which is a lot closer. But I do believe he's using the traditional Layens uh, size. He has some videos of inspecting them once when he first started. And the thing I love about it is, he, you know, he has a layens hive in a bee yard with a dozen Langstroth hives. And you can tell he knows how to handle bees and he knows how to do bees. And that's refreshing because a lot of the 
YouTubes. Well, this is true with everything, I guess. It'll be people doing things for the first time, but teaching you as if they have 10 years of experience. So watch out for that. But there are quite a number of Lazutin or Layens Hive videos that you can kind of get an idea of what it is. Now, if this has intrigued you, then I would say do some study on it because if you rush out and buy a Layens, then you're going to be in the same boat that I am. Now, I'm perfectly happy with mine. I'm fascinated with uh, how they're doing and watching them and comparing what they're doing. And so I don't doubt that I will have that odd stray Layens hive because I just love it too much to even sell it. <laughs> even after, yeah, even after I for my own uh, variation, I, I think I'll, I'll, at least for now, I think I'll keep that one just for fun. But just remember, before you take the leap, there is this compatibility, a major compatibility problem that if you're a newer beekeeper will vex you because I had to, I mean, dig deep in my figuring things out in order to get this laying started. And it was humbling because I'm like, wow, this is a challenge. And I would not wish that on any newer beekeeper, although beekeeping is always going to be a challenge. And I tell you, if you are starting from packages, my hat is just off to you because that is not easy. The package that I, the poor little package that I installed in the Lang, it's got, it's got traction, it's going great, but it's just now getting to where if I wanted to split it, it would be of splittable size. And I, it has been, I have laid the TLC on it ever since the end of March. And compared to the overwintered hives out in the yard that, you know, are busting and I've already broken them down into multiple splits and those splits have already requeened and already starting to build up. It is just humbling what an uphill battle it is for a package to get traction and get established and uh, get viable. So be gentle with yourself if you're in that process. If you are one of the people that are like, oh my gosh, horizontal hive, that's the direction I want to go, but the top bar wasn't going to work for me and this sounds interesting, well, start looking at them, but also start paying attention that there are people trying to build the ones that are compatible with... um, with, you know, pretty much every piece of bee equipment that you get out of any bee catalog. And in in my opinion, that will be the way to go because it will just, that way you're just not throwing all these stumbling blocks in, in front of yourself of, of having to MacGyver every single feeder, every single piece of equipment. Okay, well, I've started some serious rambling, so let me wrap this up. I'm so grateful for all your patience with me trying to tell stories while also trying to mention, you know, the 26 tangents that the story brings to mind. This adventure is really fun. It is really fun to go back to beginner mind, uh, to go back to figuring things out and to have this challenge of, uh, of a building a thing that at least right this minute you can't get unless you build it yourself and using what I already have, I have stacks of of medium equipment. So that's, that is the, the stuff I want to use. All right. Have a wonderful week. I will be back here with something else fairly soon. I wish you all the very best with your bees. Enjoy them. Enjoy this beautiful springtime and I'll talk to you soon.